Hello everyone, welcome back to the Busy Blooming Podcast. My name's Tess. I'm Alexis. And we're your hosts of this podcast. Because we're still in the first, you know, few episodes of the podcast, we thought we'd just reintroduce ourselves, quickly explain what Busy Blooming is in like 20 seconds before we get into the episode. (laughs) So my name's Tess. I'm 24. I live downtown Toronto. I work full-time in marketing. I also have a YouTube channel and now a podcast, which has been so much fun and so exciting. Um, So yeah, that's me. Do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm Alexis. I'm 23 and I live in Halifax. Um, I'm the social media manager for Busy Blooming and like help out with the podcast. And then I also work full time in communications. Nice. So as most of you know, listening, but just in case you don't, just in case you're new, um, Busy Blooming is a network and a community for women in postgrad or women in their 20s. There's so many different platforms to Busy Blooming. So we have, of course, a podcast and we have a blog at busyblooming.ca. We also have a Facebook group. We have an Instagram where people take over every Tuesday. We have a LinkedIn and... I think that's everything. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it's busy blooming. It's basically <laughs> just a place if you're a woman in your 20s to to join and be a part of and meet everybody in the community. We have almost 800 women in the Facebook group now, which is so crazy. So it's like, crazy. Yeah. I think that's enough of an intro. Yeah, I think we covered it all. I think so. We have a great episode today. We have Renata on. She's just queen of TikTok. She is a fashion icon. (laughs) She works at Coach in New York. And we just had a really fun talk about confidence and living your best life. And of course, like fashion things as well related to being in our 20s. So it's a really great episode. Um, So I'm excited for that. But before we get into it, we, of course, wanted to hear from you guys for the intro every intro we try to you know get some some thoughts from the busy blooming community so if you want to be a part of it make sure to follow us on our instagram at busy blooming with two g's yes two g's yeah. we're trying to get the <laughs> trying to get the busy blooming handle it will happen one day yeah we're just like we're manifesting it you know put it yeah. into the universe we will yeah. get the one g <laughs> the person with the busy blooming handle if you're listening to this let's talk please <laughs> message us like <laughs> We will do anything. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you want to start? Yeah. Okay. So the first question we asked you guys, what has helped you feel more confident in your 20s? So before we read your guys' answers, Tess, what has made you yeah. feel confident in your 20s? I feel like I thought I was super confident when I was like leaving high school, like starting college. I just mm-hmm. felt like I knew everything. I think we've talked about this before. Yeah. Um. I had no right to be so confident, like, in high school. (laughs) Some of the outfits and, like, choices, which we'll get to in a second. Mm -hmm. But, like, I had truly no right to be walking around, like, the way I did. But anyway, (laughs) so I think as I've gotten older, like, I just feel like I'm just more educated on stuff. And I just Mm -hmm. know myself better, which I think makes you more confident because you're like, no, I don't like this. Or I... I like these people yeah. and I, I'm like this. And I think that just makes you more secure in yourself. Like just as you get older, you know? Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. Like, I feel like I was super confident too when I was in high school, especially like later high school. And I think it was probably because like, I'm from a pretty small town. Yeah. So it's too. like, there weren't like a ton of other people my age. Like we all knew each other really well. And we all like always hung out with each other and we were always like surrounded with each other. Mm -hmm. But then, like, when you go away to university, there's so many new people you're surrounded with. And it, like, 
it almost makes you feel like less sure of yourself totally you know like yeah so I totally agree like I definitely was confident then I kind of like dipped in my confidence a bit too. but I feel like I definitely in the past like year or two have felt myself like becoming a bit more confident and a mm-hmm. bit more like secure in myself um and I feel like a big reason is just because of like the people I've surrounded myself with now yeah. like I've really been like mindful of who I'm like good friends with yeah. and I'm trying to like be good friends with people who will like hype me up when I need it but yeah. also like be real with me when I need it you know mm-hmm. what I mean and I feel like that has just made like such a difference in like the way that I feel like about myself almost yeah isn't it so crazy that like you can be around different people and feel like a totally different mm-hmm. person like it's so weird how some people you hang out with like I feel like so awkward and I just like don't know <laughs> yeah. how to act but then when I'm with other people I'm like super loud and having fun yeah. like it's just it's so weird how that happens I know it's hard in college and stuff too because you don't really know people so then a lot yeah. of times you're just around all these people and you you don't even think that way honestly like at least I didn't like in university I didn't care about what I felt like when I was around people I'm like oh these people seem fun and cool like yeah and it's like especially when you first get to university it's like you just want to make friends yeah so it's like you don't really think of like if the friendship is maybe the best friendship for you you're just exactly. so happy to like have a friendship (laughs) yeah no it's so true and then you end up feeling like super insecure all the time and Mm -hmm. you're like but at least I have friends like I don't know it's like this weird yeah it's like I'm miserable but like I have a friend so it's fine (laughs) yeah this podcast we normalize having no friends (laughs) yeah normalize having having no friends (laughs) having like if you can count your friends on more than one hand like too many <laughs> tell us yeah <laughs> tell us your secrets <laughs> okay so we asked you guys what has helped you feel more confident in your 20s and someone said um my world got smaller and I became more intentional about who I was in my life I love that my world got smaller I feel like that's so true like especially with the pandemic yeah. too <clears throat> yeah definitely someone said thinking of all the things I overcame when I was younger I feel oh, like yeah. that's a good one like if you're yeah. ever feeling like super like down just remember like you were probably feeling that way in the past before yeah. and you got were able to get through it so I feel like even just like remembering that could be really helpful yeah it's really empowering like I think that's definitely like a thing with comparison too it's like when you're comparing yourself so much it's like just take a step back and think about like all the things you've done and then you won't won't want like more and more and more I think that helps mm-hmm. a lot with with confidence too someone said presenting in front of large groups which I think is so like that is my worst nightmare (laughs) me too I am like the worst speaker like ever I get so nervous me too I like I think you just have to practice because I'm so even if I'm in a meeting with like 10 people I'm I'm nervous like to speak I don't know what is with that (laughs) but like honestly maybe it is a confidence thing like truly maybe that's what she's saying like you know presenting in front of large groups makes you more confident yeah honestly I could see how that will help I feel like for me like I just am so nervous speaking like presenting and I know I've told you this story before but I had a boss one time who would like point out to me all the times I said like and um and told me that I like said it too often and that just like got into my head and I can never get it out of my head since then so now whenever I speak I'm like hyper fixated on not saying like and um and it just makes me so nervous so it's just like 
I can't do it. No. She truly did a disservice. <laughs> yeah. She, like, low-key ruined my life. <laughs> I know. That's, like, my boss said, I say I guess a lot. Mm-hmm. And then ever since then, I'm like, am I saying I guess? I know. Um, like, people just shouldn't point out when you do stuff like that because, like, now I'm thinking of it and I'm saying like all the time. Did we ask for your opinion? No, we didn't. <laughs> Just genuinely trying to be helpful. We're like, you have traumatized us. <laughs> Someone said, learning about my weaknesses. I know myself better than anyone else. That's such a good one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Someone said friends and family, which I love that. Mm-hmm. That's that's such a good one. Yeah um someone else said not comparing yourself trust the timing of your life such a good one yeah i feel like that's our that's like the tagline of this podcast <laughs> yeah literally trust the timing <laughs> yeah and also normalize having no friends yeah those are the <laughs> two themes <laughs> i think we've talked about this so many times but it's just like such a mood killer and just mm-hmm. like a confidence killer too it's just i know like you can always say like don't compare yourself to others like comparison just makes you feel bad but then it's like it's so hard not to do that i know and you could like hear someone telling you that all the time but still be like doing it every single day <laughs> i know when i'm feeling mm-hmm. really confident and like really good about my job and like just my friend like my family like everything i'm doing i feel good i'm not comparing myself really at all mm-hmm. but then it's like when you're feeling super unsure of like what you're doing then it's just like a downward spiral like it's just so much yeah worse. yeah totally yeah. someone said taking time to care for my body mind and mental health meditation reading books that's so true like i find that too i think that's like the comparison thing when i'm like journaling and just like doing a lot of self-care like taking time just alone I'm less likely to like compare my life to other people because I'm just more like at peace you know yeah yeah I just started journaling like I think it was like in the past year I just started and honestly it has been so good for me like Mm -hmm. if you're listening and you don't journal like you should start it is like so therapeutic it has Mm -hmm. like truly like changed me (laughs) yeah no it it's so it's so healthy like to get things Mm -hmm. out of your mind onto paper when I was at my old job I didn't realize like how long I had been feeling like so negatively about it and then I looked back in my journal and like it was like nine months ago like I was writing the (laughs) same things because like you you almost get in your head like oh I've only been feeling this way for like a month or two and then when you look back you're like oh my god I've been feeling this way the same way for like nine months like it's just Mm -hmm. it's it's a good way to like track that too yeah definitely um okay the next thing we asked you guys is have you gotten more or less confident since entering your 20s 68 percent said more and 32 percent said less i feel like i definitely am in the more category yeah me too i think i don't know i feel though it's like when i was first graduated my confidence might have been less because i just like really didn't know what to do but then now at like 24 i'll be 25 in november like i feel mm-hmm. more solid but i don't know like when i was 20 i, I feel like i might have said less confident than i did when i came my teen yeah years. i think i agree with that so the next thing we asked you guys do you feel like the fear of other people's opinions influence your decisions 65 percent said yes and 35 percent said no definitely in the yes category yeah. as much as i would like to be in the no category i know I feel like I've gotten better at this, like, for sure. I feel like I don't even realize it sometimes, but it it Mm -hmm. is, like, especially with social media and posting and stuff like that, it's, like, pretty much you're posting, like, to show other people. 
which yeah. is like a weird thing to think about too even if you're like not doing something it's like you're doing things because of other people's opinions as well so like it's still influencing your decision even if it's like a good thing you know yeah totally I don't know if this other people are like this too or if this was just like something that happened to me but I feel like when I was younger in like high school like 17 18 even like 16 I feel like then I like didn't really care that much about like uh, yeah, what same. other people thought of me and my mom would like say like you really like just do whatever you want like mm-hmm. <laughs> that's pretty cool yeah but then I feel like once I went to university it like that like went away almost I totally agree. I I feel the same way. Okay, the next one, the next question we asked is, have you ever felt imposter syndrome? 89% of people said yes. 11% said no. I definitely have. I feel like it's such a common thing. If you're one of the 11%, like, I'm jealous of you. (laughs) Please come on the podcast. (laughs) Yeah, like, teach us your ways. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like, especially at work, when you're working with people older than you, that's mm-hmm. when it like really hits i feel like the imposter syndrome of like they're gonna find out i don't know what i'm doing or something like mm-hmm. even though you know what you're doing it's like they're gonna find out or something like it's such a weird feeling yeah no i totally get that like i know for me most of my jobs i've been in have been like i'm the youngest person there and everyone else is older than me by like at least like 15 years like there's literally nobody even close to my age Mm -hmm. and I feel like that's when I felt it the worst because Mm -hmm. it's like I didn't have like anyone I could like talk to really or like feel super comfortable like asking them questions or confiding in them so it makes you feel like you're totally on your own Mm -hmm. and it's just like really scary especially if it's like your first job out of college like (laughs) I know totally I remember when I heard the like term imposter syndrome for the first time i was like oh my god like i i am so there's <laughs> like, like a word me. for this like <laughs> yeah it's like such a weird thing but i yeah I, I think i've had same similar jobs where it's like i'm way way younger and it, you just feel like you're like doing something wrong or like i don't know how to describe it it's like you're you're just like someone's gonna find out that you've like snuck your way in or something yeah so the next one when do you feel most confident um 32 percent said at work or school and then 68 percent said with friends or family i like that i feel like that makes sense yeah i definitely feel most confident when i'm with like my friends or my family yeah i feel like i'm the worst least confident at work (laughs) yeah me too (laughs) i know okay i'm excited for this one Mm-hmm. um okay so because we have renata on the episode and of course she's like fashion tiktok works a coach we wanted to ask you guys what is your biggest fashion or beauty mistake that you regret like something that just makes you cringe that you used to wear or that you used to do with your makeup <laughs> and you guys did not hold back with the premium answers and i'm so excited to read them <laughs> <laughs> what's yours like what's your biggest like regret like looking back at old photos or something yeah I think for me mine is like the really dark matte lipstick phase yes of like a few years ago like Mm -hmm. I was actually just looking back at pictures the other day and it was tragic like yeah I don't know why I thought that looked good like (laughs) I have I'm really pale like all the time I have really like fair skin so I don't know why I thought that like dark matte lipstick would be flattering on me because like it was not at all and like I was a slave to Kylie Cosmetics like 
Oh my god, same. I loved her lip kits, and it was, like, all that I wore, but they looked so horrible on me. Like, so bad. So that was definitely, um, like, a regret of mine. Yeah. <laughs> the, the one Kylie lip kit was, like, the dark. It was, like, a gray almost. It was, like, one of the first three. Oh, was it Candy K? Yes. Because that's think- the one I wore all the time. <laughs> okay, wow. You were, like, really deep into this. <laughs> um, I was literally obsessed. Like, Did you, I like, bought everything. Them? Um, I mean, not really, but I definitely had, like, a few. (laughs) I think, like, my biggest, like, fashion or, like, beauty mistake is just, like, my hair. (laughs) Yeah. The way I used to wear it, I have really, really crazy curly hair, and I used to cut it, like, to, literally to my ear, and then, like, (laughs) diffuse, I would, like, diffuse it. Like, you know what I mean? Oh, like, like, with the blow dryer? With the blow dryer, and it would be, like, cut to my ear and, like, curly. Like, that sounds cute, kind of. No. <laughs> it was so bad. And, like, I, I don't know why I kept doing it. Like, every time I went to the hairdresser, I would just, like, cut it the same length for, like, years. Oh, my God. That actually just reminded me, like, I think I have one worse than the matte lipstick. And it was when I dyed my hair, like, black. I <sighs> meant to dye it, like, dark brown, but it turned out black. And, I mean, like I said, I have very, very, very light skin. Yeah. So, like, my light skin with the black hair... tragic like it it was tragic I think I deleted all the pictures from my Instagram because (laughs) it was terrifying yeah (laughs) not a good look (laughs) any like experimentation with hair like before I feel like you're I don't know 19 it's it's a gamble sometimes it turns out good (laughs) but most of the times it doesn't (laughs) no okay should we read some people's a lot of people said bangs, which I think is so funny. I, I yeah. definitely... Did you have bangs? I did. Mm-mm. I never had bangs. I had, like, a side bang, kind of, when I was, like, oh, yeah. in, like, the sixth grade. But yeah. it, like, was barely even. It was just, like, a little tiny, like... <laughs> I had bangs, but then I had really curly, like, hair. So then I would just, like, straighten the bangs. Oh, yeah. And leave the rest curly? And leave rest. That's yeah. a look. It was a, it was a choice that I made, it, <laughs> for sure. It was a choice. Someone just said every fashion choice I made in high school. Honestly. <laughs> Relatable. Yeah. No, that's so true. Hollister was everything. Like getting it a Hollister really graphic tee or like a Hollister graphic hoodie. Like you were just owning the school. Mm-hmm. You were a queen. Yeah. I remember I got like one Abercrombie like navy blue hoodie with the white writing and I wore it every day. For really? like years. It was everything. Someone said, not blending my foundation down my neck and not having the right shade. Been there. I feel this one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's honestly, I still find it kind of hard to match my foundation shade. Me like, too. Like, it's really hard to get the perfect, especially when you're, like, out in the sun, like, to get the exact mm-hmm. shade that matches your skin. It's hard, especially when you're, like, 15 or whatever age. Like, it's bad. I know. And I used to, like, love full coverage. Me too. Like, foundation so when it didn't match it was very noticeable same <laughs> i had horrible yeah. acne and um me I, too yeah so then i would wear like super thick super thick foundation like to co- try and cover it mm-hmm. and it was truly never the right color ever oh someone said um eyeliner on the lower lash line i always i feel like that's what they taught in the beauty youtube tutorials is to put like eyeliner I on your know. lower lash line i always yeah. did that I did it too for a while, but then my mom, my mom was like, Alexis, like, 
that's not a look like you should stop and I was like okay <laughs> I will oh my god no I wore so much eyeliner like I never wear it now but the wings mm-hmm. too did you ever do like mm-hmm. the wing yeah yeah I loved liquid liner when I was like 16 17 like I would never leave my house without it me too ever I was so bad at it and I just did them so long I remember I worked at a restaurant and this girl was like oh I want to do winged eyeliner tonight I was like oh I I do winged eyeliner like I can show you she's like no I actually want to look good (laughs) I was so mean she said that yes and honestly I I was just like I needed to I self-reflected and that's the moment I knew it did not look good that's hurtful the truth hurts (laughs) the truth hurts (laughs) but she had a point um someone said orange (laughs) self-tanner yeah oh my god someone said overplucked eyebrows I (laughs) I should post a photo to our Instagram like I am the CEO of overplucked eyebrows like I went from having caterpillar eyebrows to none Mm -hmm. like I, I had such thick eyebrows and I got them waxed once and then I was like I can do this myself and I took tweezers and like did not fill them in like it was truly looked like i lit a match on my eyebrow and it burned off <laughs> oh, <laughs> so oh my bad. god oh my god i'm lucky that's like the one thing that i never like did was yeah. like pluck my eyebrows wax my eyebrows too thin anything like that yeah no that's oh good god. you should never touch your eyebrows i feel like if, if they're like thick you should just mm-hmm. leave them and let somebody do them for you um someone said my beret phase <laughs> Like, send us pictures. <laughs> yeah. That should not have been a phase. You should keep that going. <laughs> yeah. We support it. Yeah. It's like Emily in Paris vibes now. Yeah. It could honestly be a look. It could. You could be starting something. <laughs> yeah. You could bring it back. Bring back the berets. That's what we yes. have to say. <laughs> oh, my God. Someone said Someone said anything low rise. I think that's a good one to end on. <laughs> yeah. We just don't need to say anything. <laughs> I see it coming back on TikTok, though. People I know. It must just feel like so uncomfortable in low rise pants. Yeah. I will not be participating in the no. comeback of low rise. Like not no. for me. I need it's, like pants up to like my neck. That's like yeah. my preferred length. It's so comfortable, like high waisted. It's just like I know. you're all in you there. You just feel so like tucked in and secure. secure and nothing's like hanging out anywhere. No. <laughs> you're just like right in there. Okay, well that was fun. I loved reading through everyone's fashion mistakes (laughs) they were so good yeah maybe i'll post an eyebrow photo on our instagram oh my god (laughs) please please post it (laughs) yeah you can post your black hair (laughs) oh my god um i don't know if i can (laughs) (laughs) oh my god um okay well thanks everyone for responding to our instagrams it was you guys like just i don't know i love reading through the the answers every week it's so fun i know you guys give like the best answers ever I know. So thank you for answering. Thanks. <laughs> um, I think that's everything. Is there anything else you wanted to say to add? Um, I don't think so. I think we're good to get into it. Yeah, I think so too. Um, okay. Well, with all that being said, let's get into the interview with Renata. Okay. So we're sitting here with Renata. We're so excited to have you on the podcast. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Your TikTok is truly just a movie. Like your life is just seems so interesting and your job and just you, you seem so confident and I, I can't wait to talk to you. I have so much to get into. Before we get started, did you just want to introduce yourself and just kind of like give us a rundown of what your days look like, who you are, just so we can get to know you? 
Yeah, so I'm Renata DeGrella. I am 24 years old and living in New York City. I currently work as a production assistant at The Brand Coach, where I help plan and execute photo shoots for digital, social, and in-store needs. And I'm also a TikToker on the side. I specialize in day in the life vlogs and fashion videos, a lot of fashion trend commentary and um, just feel good fashion videos. Um, and yeah, my day to days are very much shooting in the morning, going to work, um, being that typical like entry level fashion employee running around doing a million things, being super stressed out. Yeah, and then after just having fun, being young, being 20-something in Manhattan, especially right now with like the roaring 20s on the horizon, mm -hmm. it's really a fun time. Yeah, that's so true. It must be such a huge contrast in New York from like, I feel like you guys got the worst and then came back so much quicker than everybody else. Yeah, um, it was really bad. And I stayed throughout the entire pandemic. Um, I'm originally okay. from the New York tri-state area I grew up on Long Island and it was just as bad on Long Island as it was in Manhattan at least in my neighborhood so it made no sense to go home and stay with my yeah. parents who all had COVID right away oh my god um, so yeah I did not go home during the pandemic I stayed with my fiance in the city and it was hard to see the city just like be brought to its knees and like I lived right by the hospitals and stuff like that it was just a very tough time but it makes mm -hmm this New York City revival feel even better for me because I didn't go away and run away from New York when it was at its lowest. I did stay and see it through, honestly. And I'm really mm -hmm. happy I did. Yeah, I feel like that's so rare. I think, you know, a year and a half ago, it's, everyone was just posting like vlogs and Instagrams about them leaving. So it's it's unique almost, right? To have stayed throughout the whole yeah. time. New York truly is my home. This is where I have roots. Like, Mm -hmm. My family's from here. I, there's nowhere for me to go. Right. Like yeah. I'm going to have my family here. Like, yeah, this is where my home is. So yeah, totally. So this podcast, the busy blooming podcast, it's all about being a woman in our twenties and just, you know, trying to figure out life the best way we possibly can at this age. Um, so question we ask every guest and I would love to hear your answer is if you could go back to yourself at 18, what is something you would tell that girl at 18. Oh my gosh. I actually think about this a lot mm -hmm. and I would 100% just tell myself to like, just relax. Yeah. Like I feel like at 18, well, I was, I guess like this is that senior in high school to freshman in college ages, 18, where like everything is changing. Everything feels like the end of the world. Mm -hmm. And like, if you don't get into the college you want, it's like you, your entire path is going to like crumble or something like that. Or you get to your college and you're not making any friends and like you feel lonely and you're like, oh my God, my life sucks. Like I, and you don't know what you want to do with your life. Cause like you go and you start taking college classes and like, it's super freaking hard. And you think like, I mean, I was in pre-med when I started. So like, I literally was like, oh my God, like my life's plan is crumbling before my eyes and I would just tell that girl to just relax like everything that is meant to be yours will be yours mm -hmm. and you just need to like be positive and gravitate towards the things that make you happy and when something yeah. doesn't make you happy anymore then don't do it mm -hmm. like 
we have one life and you just need to like go with the flow of what makes you happy. Yeah, totally. I love that. That's, that's so true. There's so much pressure when we're 18. Like, I don't know, it's like your twenties are so daunting and it seems like just this huge, it's such a huge transition, like emotionally and Mm -hmm. just like your environment and all your friends and just everything. And I think your emotions at 18 are just way more volatile than they are when Mm -hmm. you get older. You don't really have a sense of self when you're Mm -hmm. 18 years old because you haven't lived that much life outside of like being under your parents eye so it's just really tough (laughs) yeah and I feel like you don't even know yourself at all like you don't really know what you like what you don't like like it which is so key right to making these big decisions exactly um that's so interesting that so you were in pre-med so how did you get into where you are now because if someone's your TikTok now I feel like they would never know that right yeah um that's literally the golden question (laughs) yeah so I was like such a huge nerd in high school um I am from I'm first generation American my parents are immigrants like and when you grow up in like an immigrant household I would say the number one thing they tell you is you have like two choices as far as career, you're either a doctor or a lawyer, maybe an engineer. Mm-hmm. And I went to a pretty low income high school and we had a ton of funding from local universities to get minority students into STEM. I did a ton of STEM programs. I really do think that education is the way to like elevate yourself in society and whatever, get out of the struggles of like, I wasn't in poverty by any means, but like um, getting out of being like in a low income kind of situation education just elevates you. So my way is that I thought it was through STEM and science. I published a research paper by the age of 18 on like research I did at college. Like I thought it was like this pre-med girl and I went to college at UNC Chapel Hill, did a year and a half of pre-med and I got hit by organic chemistry and they make you also do analytical chemistry. And it was over for me. I realized at that point that I like really did not like science in any way. Mm-hmm. I was only doing it because that's the only path I saw to success. Mm-hmm. And at that point I was like, I can't do something where I like, I'll make it to med school, but then I won't be happy. I'll make it to being a doctor, but then like, I won't be happy. And like, you can't right. have an unhappy doctor. Like you just can't, like you're dealing with people, like it's truly a labor of love. And I didn't want to do that. It's not fair to anyone else. It's not fair to me. And you don't go into med med school or whatever for money. You just don't. Mm -hmm. Um, So I decided to go into something that doesn't make any money either. (laughs) Um, And I met a girl who did fashion PR for a fashion PR agency named PR Consulting at an internship fair at UNC in the journalism school, my sophomore year. And from that point on, I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And I just networked a ton. Like I would go on LinkedIn and literally message every single alumni who went to UNC, who was working in the fashion industry. Like I left like no stone unturned. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, it's really, really um, hard to also afford to intern in Manhattan because fashion internships are usually not paid. Like you right. have to like, like unless someone is paying for you to live and eat, like if, if you're working a full-time internship, like it's not possible to do it. Like you just can't even get into fashion. But luckily I applied to like a ton of scholarships 
at my school and was able to get the Lookout Fellow Program, which was a scholarship that fully paid for all my housing and food and everything for when I lived in New York City during my unpaid internship, which ended up being at Oscar de la Renta. And that really kickstarted my career. So that everything goes into place um, when you go with what you love, because suddenly I saw all the puzzle pieces kind of matching together. I was able to get funding, like the things that I wanted and manifested started happening. I networked a ton. I didn't have any connections in the industry, no family connections, no people in like literally even right, like office jobs. I was able to network my way into getting an internship at Oscar de la Renta. And then from that point on, when you start off with a big name like that and continue to network, um, I was able to build on that and end up interning at Fashion Week at Tibby. Then when I graduated, I had a post-grad internship, which turned into a full-time job at a fashion PR agency and ultimately pivoted to being at Coach, um, which I got through um, an alum from UNC who was in the role before she had remembered me. Um, she was actually the girl who was the first person I ever spoke to about fashion PR who had worked for that fashion PR oh, no agency. Way. So like every, it's like everything had this like predestined plan. Like it's mm -hmm. so weird. Um, and yeah, that's how I ended up at Coach. Um, she was leaving and mentioned the position was going to be open. I applied online. She referred me. And here I am like two years later. Yeah. Wow. I think that's like such a good message for, you know, this age as well. Like you're never stuck ever. Like even you probably had moments where you're like, well, I've already started this, you know, medical journey. Like I need to kind of just do it. You're what? not even stuck after. I will say that like yeah. when I graduated and was in fashion PR, I thought that I was going to be this fashion PR girl. Like in my head, I was like, oh, I'm going to be like, I'm going to be PR assistant, PR coordinator, move in house, work my way up. And after like literally six months of being in an agency intern and full-time as a coordinator, I never wanted to be a fashion PR person ever again. Mm -hmm. Like, and I knew that now most people would be like, oh my God, like I went to school. I did all these internships, all my experiences in fashion PR. If you know how to sell yourself and you network, you can pivot really into anything, especially at the beginning. It's a little harder later on, but at the beginning you are not stuck you can really explore. Yeah. I love that. It's so important to network too. And it, it's just, people wouldn't believe like the opportunities. I'm sure you get so much faster when you do know people and it, it can be a little bit scary and like intimidating to reach out. But I mean, to your point, like that's how you got where you are so quickly. Right. Yeah. So working in the fashion industry, like, is it kind of what you thought it would be or what I'm sure everyone kind of thinks it's like, like, it seems so, you know, glamorous and like fun and is it truly like everything you thought it would be? Or is there things that you maybe like don't enjoy as much as you thought? Um, it is far harder work than people make it seem. Right. And I think also TikTok does a really good job of over glamorizing it. Mm -hmm. I, I like, and I'm not innocent of that, but like I tried to put a lot of disclaimers in there that it is not glitz and glamour. Like there are glamorous moments where you're like, oh my God, is this real? Like I've been to many shows. I've seen many models like Bella and Gigi. Dean, like all of them, like celebrities, like I've literally like been on set, talk like Meg the Stallion, like oh MBJ, like yeah. JLo, like you have the celebrity moments, but majority of the time is just really, really hard work. And especially the entry level for not that much pay. Like I truly mm -hmm. do believe that like without a certain level of privilege, 
you should not go into the fashion industry unless like literally like similar to being a doctor, like it is your bread butter soul mm-hmm. kind of thing. Like you eat, sleep and breathe fashion. Cause otherwise you just won't make it. Mm-hmm. Like you just won't, like you'll be fed up of, of the entire thing. Cause like, I, I often say like my fiance is an investment banker, people in fashion sometimes work more than investment bankers. Right. Right. But investment bankers get paid like 300K a year. Yeah. And yeah. some fashion people are lucky if they make above minimum wage at the beginning. Mm-hmm. So, and I was that person. Like I, when I first started, I was an intern, obviously. And then my first job at a college was under $40,000 a year. And I had to work two jobs, seven days a week to make it. Like wow. I was working nine to six, Monday to Monday. Like I was yeah. worked at a gym Saturday and Sunday from nine to six in their store and then worked my normal job. And those were not easy jobs. And still like, that was like to barely make ends meet. So you're not going to be living this luxurious lifestyle at the beginning, at least. Like you really have to like confront that you may have to struggle unless you have like help from somewhere else, which is totally okay. I feel like a lot of people condemn that. Like if your parents do have the opportunity to give you that or like family members, partner, whatever, like take advantage of that opportunity and obviously roll with it. Like Mm -hmm. make the most of that. Mm -hmm. That's so crazy. Like, I think the hours too, it's like people, it's probably even hard to understand unless you, you do it. Did, did you ever have a moment when you were starting where like, Oh my God, I literally can't do this. Or did, were you always like, this is a hundred percent. I would literally cry every single day for like almost two months, I think. Um, when I was still working seven days a week, like, I think I, I was really upset. I was like, how did I end up in this position? Like, why did I do this to myself? Like nothing is worth this. And then that like golden opportunity coach came along that like did pay me enough to like, at least make a livable wage in New York city. And I was really happy about that, but I didn't think, I thought that it would go on for longer because I have friends who didn't get that big opportunity until like two years post-grad. Mm-hmm. So like, it really was a bit of luck. Cause I don't think I would have made it two years. Like I would have, I would have pivoted. Mm-hmm. And even now sometimes like, um, it's hard to see some of my friends who like are making more money and their jobs are like totally fine. Like at the end of the day, like there's, I feel like there's this myth that like, if you love what you do, like you never work a day kind of thing. Like you hear that quote all the time, yeah. or whatever. a job is a job. Totally. Yeah. And when your friends can afford to go to Tulum on the weekends and you can't yeah. or something like that, like, or they get a, a nice apartment that like, maybe like doesn't have maintenance issues or something. Right. Like you're going to, you know, question a few things or like just even more like lively stuff, like being able to pay off your student loans or mm-hmm. save for a house, like, it, it becomes like more of a trade-off. And I think that's where like a lot of my friends are in their like 25, 26, there's this illusion of like the dream job crumbling because they just realize there is no dream job situation. And I think a lot of the times, like when you are a newer grad or like just in the post-grad, it's like you think you do romanticize. And I don't think romanticizing things is bad, but I think you just go into jobs all the time and think it's going to be like perfect. Yeah. But truly, I don't think there is any job out there, right. That you were going to like every single part of it. A job is a job. No, you're not. Yeah. Yeah. 
No, You're just totally. not. And like, I would say though, the biggest thing is like teams definitely like make or break a job experience. Mm -hmm. Like if you have a toxic team, like you're just not like, it's never going to be worth it. Like, yeah, I like the environments, even if like the work was tough, like if you have a good team with you, it makes everything better. Mm -hmm. Totally. It's, it's all about the people you work with. I mean, mm -hmm. you could work at the best dream company ever, but if you don't like the people and they're mean or yeah. toxic, like it's just horrible. It's not yeah. worth it. You just seem like someone who is so confident, like just you live your best life. You're so like, you just seem to always have so much fun. And how, how do you have so much confidence? Like, how do you get to that point? I like, I've been thinking about this question a lot. Cause a lot of people on TikTok ask me about my confidence and mm -hmm. like, I feel like it's something that's always been there, but also in some situations hasn't mm -hmm. like, it's like weird. Like I can think of moments like when I was a kid where I was hundred percent confident, like I literally walked around my like middle school as the only scene kid, like yeah. <laughs> fearlessly. Yeah. Like totally. I teased my hair, did the raccoon eyes, everything. Yeah. Didn't give a crap about what anyone else said. Now we look back and I'm like, ooh, that was kind of embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I don't know. I think the biggest thing that like leads to my confidence that I truly just know that like no one else is really thinking about you that critically, especially in New York. Like mm -hmm. everyone has their own life and own problems and own like concerns going on in their head that like they literally don't give two flying craps about you honestly like so like why not wear what you want do what you want say what you want like obviously yeah. for reason like be a good person like you should not feel confident to say mean things right but, like in terms of like I'm afraid to wear this out I'm afraid to say something and like be myself like you should never feel that because the only person holding you back from that is like you. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. And like you said, people, like if you saw somebody else, like do like walking in the street or doing something like you would probably never think like, Oh, that's so like weird. I don't know. We're always our number one critic. Right. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I just feel like there was like, there were things that I would say like growing up, like I would always put off, like, especially when it came to like weight kind of stuff, like mm -hmm. I would say like, oh, I'll get a belly button piercing when I like lose 20 pounds or like, I'll like wear this like outfit when I lose 20 pounds. And I realized I was putting off my life until I lost 20 pounds that I've been trying to lose for like 20 years. Cause I never actually tried to lose it. Right. And I was stopping living my life and I'm not going to stop living my life because I'm waiting for something to happen. Like mm -hmm. tomorrow is not guaranteed. The pandemic has definitely taught us that mm -hmm. like go out and do your dance today. Yeah, totally. And, and I think too, it, it's so natural to, you know, care what, what people think. I think we all do at some point, but you just don't want to let other people's opinions like control your decisions. Like, because mm -hmm. then if you're like not doing something because, you know, people might look at you a certain way, like you're not making your own choices anymore. And I think that's right. where it can get hard. Yeah, exactly. Like you give up control of your life. Yeah. Have you ever struggled with like imposter syndrome, like working in fashion and having such a large following or have you always felt like solid of like, okay, this is like good. This is where I'm supposed to be. I feel imposter syndrome every single day. Yeah. I feel like I don't necessarily feel imposter syndrome with my job just because mm -hmm. like I 
am an assistant. Like it does not feel glamorous my everyday. Like, like right. there's a distant feeling of like, wow, like there are tons and tons of girls who wish they had this job in the back of my right. head. But like, I'm for one, I never really was that girl at seven years old who had like a Vogue magazine was like fashion, you know, mm -hmm. like that was not like this lifelong thing. Like I had learned about it, I liked it. Like it always been like a thing at the side, but like I was not that girl that like knew from the beginning. So like it's hard for me to conceptualize how many people exactly like are fighting for this role, even though I know that it's a lot mm -hmm. and like I am very successful. Um, but it doesn't feel the way because I'm still like very much at the entry level. It's not like if I if I was at more of the manager level, I feel like I would 100 percent feel it. Like right. But like at the assistant level, when you're grabbing coffees on set, like you're not feeling like, um, yeah, you've made this big, big accomplishment, even though it is, it's hard to give yourself credit sometimes. Yeah. Um, when it comes to the following though, I definitely feel imposter syndrome quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Um, especially when I work with like bigger brands and I feel like that's something that, um, I guess my confidence isn't there for that because mm -hmm. I often like, I'm nervous about charging because I'm like, oh, like, am I even worth that much? Like, it's just me. Like, you know, like, I feel like that's where the lack of confidence kind of like, like slips in. Like, I don't really understand the, um, the community that I've built that much, not understand it, but like, I don't know how to describe it. Like, yeah. I'm like, why did this happen? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sure it's like, like to the point of your job, it's still like your day to day. Like it's, you're like, this is just my job, but or yeah. something like a following, like you have, I mean, over a quarter of a million followers on TikTok, right? Like, I don't think anybody can almost process like the impact you're having on so many people. Um, yeah. You blew up pretty fast. Like, what did that feel like for you? Like, was it, do you still like not really, you know, know what to do or are you kind of like used to it now? I think I'm start, I'm finally starting to own it. Yeah. Um. I think at first it was just so shocking and mm -hmm. like what had happened was is that like I had had a few videos go viral on TikTok that were like funny videos and then I started vlogging my days no one watched and then after like I think it was my ninth vlog um it really blew up like two million people saw it I gained 30k overnight some Instagram wow. followers and I was like wow like this is a sign and it was funny because like I always say like everything like kind of was like lines up from the past like in February before COVID happened, I was like at a panel for my college. They asked me like where I could see myself in the future. And I was like, honestly, like I'm starting to kind of think about maybe content creation. Mm -hmm. Like I was on, when I was in PR, I was working a lot on planning influencer campaigns. And I did okay. a lot of influencer research. I did a lot of research into micro influencers and picking them for various projects. And I was like, this seems really fun. Like, it's definitely something I could see myself doing down the line, but I don't really know what avenue I would do because YouTube's a bit too long form and I don't really have the eye for Instagram. Like, in all honesty, like, I don't think that I'm an Instagram girly. Like, it just isn't me. Like, and then TikTok came along and I feel like short form video just really just like clicked with me. Mm -hmm. um, it was like a way to like show off your personality and be real and raw in a way that Instagram is in. But also I don't have the attention span for YouTube. Like I do YouTube videos now. Um, Cause I've been like trying to learn how to edit and stuff like that. And it kind of just like all kind of fell into place, honestly. Like 
I had originally started vlogging and doing TikToks as a way to build my resume. Okay. I wasn't really trying to pop off as a content creator. Um, my real goal was that I wanted to pivot to um, being an on-air kind of producer and talent okay. for like a Refinery29 or a Bustle. Um, and I thought that being behind the camera and in front of the camera on something like TikTok, which I saw as the feature of social media, would be a great addition to a resume. So I started doing that. And then I really was able to kind of build a brand out of it, honestly. And it's just like so wild. Yeah. No, I, I love your content so much. Like what advice do you have for someone? Like kind of what we were talking about before about not caring what people think. If someone's listening to this and kind of wants to get into this like area of TikTok and vlogging, like what advice do you have for them? Um, For one, just know people will 100% talk crap about you. Mm-hmm. Like there will be group chats and they will be laughing and sending your pictures and laughing at you for talking like an influencer or calling you a narcissist or something like that. Like it will happen. And if you care about that opinion so much, like you shouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Like you really, like you have to have thick skin. People are going to have an issue with everything you do. Mm-hmm. Like they will pick apart every single aspect of your life and you just have to just know who you are and stay true to that. Um, because a lot of people I also see, like they get wrapped up in being a content creator and they start to lose themselves and you don't want that to happen either. Um, mm-hmm. so my biggest advice would be to be, be confident, like don't care what anyone else thinks and have a really good support system around you because things could get real weird. Yeah, totally. That, that's really great advice. I think too, it's like, it's just one of those things, like not everyone's going to like what you do and, and people like, even I'm sure people from your high school and stuff, like you just know <laughs> they're going to be talking about you and it, it's okay. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's more of a reflection yeah. on them. And also like biggest advice would hundred percent be though, is like, stop worrying about numbers. Like even yeah. I, I like sometimes get wrapped up in it, but like, you cannot worry about numbers because if every single day you're constantly refreshing to see how well your video performed engagement wise and everything like that, you're going to send yourself crazy because you're trusting your future and your happiness on an unpredictable algorithm. Like today I have 250,000 ish followers on TikTok, One of the most unpredictable algorithms out there. My vlog today has been like five hours, maybe has 2000 views. Mm-hmm. Is that any fault of my content? Is that any fault of what I've been doing differently? No. Did right. I enjoy making my video? Is that what's important? Yes. Um, totally. You need to learn to love the process. If you think that taking pictures of yourself or taking videos and editing is a chore and you're just in it for the giftings and the invites and the money and the everything, you're not going to make it because it's just such a roller coaster when it comes to numbers and that. And that's why I also recommend like maybe not doing content full time until like it's really, 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 really solid. Cause like if you have to put all of your livelihood into an unpredictable algorithm and what you get paid off of and live off of into an algorithm, again, you will go crazy. I love that. It's so true. Even for me, like with YouTube, I struggle so much of like treating it like a business and then treating it like it should be fun. But I think like to your point, if you're just not having fun creating it, like ideally your goal is to do it, you know, more and more and more as life goes on. So if you're not enjoying it at the beginning, like that's still where you're going to be doing every day. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. And like you see, I feel like you see with like bigger YouTubers, like they love it at the beginning, Mm -hmm. but then everything else just like, like falls apart and then suddenly they upload less and whatever, you know? Cause like once you become a big YouTuber or something like things get crazy, Mm -hmm. but like the love for it and the reason why they were able to get that big was in the beginning when Mm -hmm. they were consistent, when they were in love with their content, when they were like authentic and before Hollywood came in and everything. Because the moment, like, if you're not there from the start, you're definitely not going to be there at the end. Mm -hmm. Totally. Because you work in fashion. Do you have one, like, universal fashion tip for somebody who might be in their 20s and doesn't really know, like, what to do? Like, what are your biggest tips of, like, feeling confident in your, with fashion? Um, In how you dress, I really, really think it is, like, actually trying clothes on. Like, that, I know that sounds really simplistic. But I feel like Gen Z is very like click heavy when it comes to like online shopping. Like y'all mm-hmm. see something, it looks good on one girl and suddenly <laughs> everyone and their grandmother has the same exact dress. And yeah. I think they don't even think about it. It's like, they don't think like, does this match my wardrobe? Where would I wear this? Um, what situations could I wear this dress in? They're just like, bye. Cause it looks good on one girl on TikTok. Yeah. And not only does that lead to overconsumption, but like, then you have a piece in your closet that you can't wear anywhere. And that when you try on might not even look good on you. And I think going back to being, it was hard because of COVID, but now that we're out kind of going back to going in store and trying things on is really just like a huge thing. And how I found my personal style a lot, just because like, I don't think I have a traditional body type. And when I order clothes online, I half of it ends up being like, not fitting me or just not like being what Mm -hmm. I thought it was and I think like people need to take the time slow down and actually try things on and think like where does this fit into my life like do I need six really slinky cowl neck dresses from Princess Polly because I love them Mm -hmm. no because I only go out once a month kind of thing like you need to like you need to dress for your lifestyle like I love crop tops but I work now and I can't right. have a different wardrobe for, for like going out and work. Cause like who has the budget for that? So like yeah. you need things that are versatile. So I think that's like the number one thing, like Gen Z just like, and finding <laughs> your own style. Like you just need to like try things on and like slow down. Totally. I think that's such a good tip because you just, it's not really about like how it looks like you need to feel good in it. So yeah. if you only, if you can't try stuff on online, obviously. So that's a really good tip. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming to the podcast. This was so much fun. I'm glad you came on. I think people will learn a lot from your story and um, yeah. So where can people find you? Like plug just everything. Thank you so much for having me for those. Like, I know I sound like very Debbie Downer about fashion, but like, if you really, really do level love and moral of the story, like you will make it if your heart's in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and where people can find me is on Instagram and TikTok at Ren DeGrella. I have a YouTube channel. It's my name, Renata DeGrella, also linked in my TikTok and Instagram bio. I think that's it actually. Yeah, great. I'll link everything in the podcast notes as well. But um, yeah, thanks for being on the podcast and we'll see you guys in the next episode. Okay, thank you so much. Mm-hmm.